Hallelujah for Jesus. And a happy Easter to everyone. Okay, for the one or two people. Happy Easter. He is risen. That's much better. You sound like a bunch of people that got up at 3 a.m. to hide Easter eggs. You know, uh, the Lord has risen. It is a marvelous, marvelous day in the Lord. And it is good to see you on this day. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. Now the question is, is when did that happen? When, when did it actually happen that God would do such a thing that he would send his only begotten son to come and die on a cross, pay for our sins, and rise from the dead. When did this happen? Well, Romans 5.8 tells us that it happened in this time frame. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The time frame was not after we got our act together. It was before we got our act together. How many have your act together now? Uh, a couple people have lied and raised their hand. But uh, I saw you, Tom. The, uh, the, uh, the uh, reality of it is that uh, God didn't wait until we had all of our stuff together. Then he thought we were worthy enough to die for. He just loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, while we were distant from God, while we're separated relationally from Him, He came and paid the price that we could not pay to save ourselves. And the result of that is, is that the Lord then gives us a remarkable promise. And that remarkable promise is this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die... Yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. John eleven twenty five. You know, it's a remarkable thing. You think, wow, this is incredible. The story of God and his creation is that when he made us, we sinned. And when we sinned, it separated us from God. And we were doomed to an eternity without God. And the result of that is, is that God so loved us, he decided to interject himself into our doomed path and pay a price that we could not pay, dying for our sins, raising from the dead, overcoming death, so that you and I could then in turn overcome the death that we were bound for and be able to enjoy eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then, in our excitement, we pick up our Bible, we start reading the Word of God, and we're excited to read about the marvelous journey of faith that we have in God. And we get to James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brethren. And we, yeah, James, bring it on, James. Tell us about this wonderful, joyous journey. Okay, okay. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, knowing that when it does, you will be complete, lacking nothing. I want to say, okay, let's just back the bus up. It was a really good story until I read James. It was all good. Give my life to Jesus. Oh, happy day. And the smooth sailing, all my troubles have vanished away. This is good. And then James tells us that we are going to have our faith tested. Jesus himself said that he went through trials and tribulations, and so would we. And I think about it, I think, you know, that's, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting that everything would be great and there would be no issues, no problems, that all my worries and concerns would be gone. And yet you discover that when you say yes to Jesus, there still is, though you have this wonderful promise of eternal life, we still go through life and experience some things that, that are testing and are, are difficult for us. You see, you find out this that the best things in this world, the things we value the most, that mean the most to us, often cost us something. They often cost us something. Have you ever started a, a, a workout regiment, a, a, an exercise program, either at a fitness club or at home, and then quit? Yeah. I, uh, see, I think that there's really only two kinds of people in this world. Those who work out and those who eat. I eat. And I, I, I don't eat uh, uh, creative works of culinary art. I eat meat. I burn it. I wrap it in corn or, or flour, smother it in cheese, and eat it. I eat meat. Now, I know... I know that, that if I really wised up, I would be responsible in how I ate, and I would, I would be thoughtful about it, and I would eat fish, you know, and <laughs> vegetables, you know. And I, I, I know this, and I know that if I exercise and I eat right, I will be healthier, I will actually be happier, I will be stronger, I will probably live longer and have a better life if I do that. But I also know that it's against my nature to do so. I think about the longer I, I, the longer I spend without exercise and eating poorly, the, the more painful it is when I try to get healthy again. Have you ever figured that out? You know, you just hurt more when you start trying to get healthy. And I think, what in the world? It seems like if, if healthy is good for you, there ought to be a, a nice, easy, pleasurable, smooth path to that. And, and yet you discover it's just not the case. My, my uh, muscles get tired and sore, and, and it happens. You know, I, I, I actually can't be a spectator to my own life. I have to be a participant. I have to engage some things related to my life if I want to have a happy and healthy life. It, you know, uh, good things cost some things. It, it costs me. Cost me time. It may cost me some sore muscles, you know, but, but it's important because 
you know, if I battle my natural way of thinking and I go ahead and do these other things, eat healthy and exercise, I'll be better off for it. Sometimes it costs us a little bit to get healthy. Have, have, you, have you noticed that it is the case that uh, no one can do that for you? You see, you can't feel good for me. You can't get healthy for me. You can't, you can't eat right for me. You can't exercise for me. That can't happen. Uh, if, if those are some things that only I can do for myself. There's only some things you can do for yourself. And you can't believe in God for me. When I get to heaven or I'm standing there before God hoping for heaven and God says, what were you thinking? I gave you a lot of opportunities and you just rejected me and lived your life without me. What were, what were you thinking? I say, well, I was thinking my dad lived for God and that that would be good enough. He lived for God for me. God would say, I, kn- I know your dad, but I never knew you. You know, uh, no. You see, nobody can live for God for me. And nobody can, can determine what I'm going to believe about God. See, I choose what I'm going to believe about God. If I choose to believe that God is a myth of somebody's imagination, my choice. If I choose to believe that God is a, is a heavy-set, shirtless, bald guy with a ring in his nose, so be it. If I choose to believe the Word of God, that it is true, and it is, and that God is a loving Creator who sent His Son to die for me, to pay for my sins so that I could have eternal life because he rose from the dead, conquering death on my behalf. And my acceptance of that great gift uh, will guarantee my entry into heaven. If I choose to believe that, then so be it. And God will honor that belief that I have in him. I can't be a spectator to my own life. I have to be a participant. I have to get involved in my life in the Lord. On the day that uh, Jesus was crucified, I wonder how many spectators there were. I, I wonder, you know, do you, how many were standing around watching? Could the, Maybe there were hundreds of people that were standing there and, and watching. The Romans uh, certainly didn't, didn't invent crucifixion, but they perfected it to ensure that it would uh, bring about the greatest amount of suffering possible on the way to that person's death. And, and not unlike a car wreck in our day, it seems like there are a lot of people that like to stand around and watch a good tragedy. And there are people that, that are watching this. There are spectators. Some of them were the Roman soldiers who stood near the foot of the cross and ensured that Jesus hung there until he died. There were, some of them were, would have, that would have been spectating that day would have been the religious leaders who, who uh, fully uh, expected and, and were watching him, jeering him on uh, until his final execution. 
there would have been just people from town that were, were watching and were just curious onlookers of what, what was going on. And they lined the streets and, and watched as he carried his cross. And they, they stood at, at, at the foot of his cross on Calvary's mountain, watching him on that cross and listening to his every word. There, there would have been a small band of his followers who were there, that were watching, that were listening, and, and feeling great agony of heart, not knowing what to think, not knowing how to, to believe, not knowing how to consider what to think in all this, because they believed in him. He was going to change everything. Life was going to get good. When they followed Jesus... They fully expected that all their oppressors, all the stuff that had gone wrong, all their lack, everything they needed was going to be met, and now life is good. Fully expected it. Now they are spectators watching Jesus on the cross be crucified. Spectators all, every one of them. Three days later, Jesus had been crucified. And three days later, it's a quiet scene. There's no more spectators. There's just a couple of Roman soldiers standing near a closed tomb. But pretty soon, you and I know, that stone was rolled away. And when Jesus rose from the dead, there were no longer any spectators. None. You see, because when Jesus died, a shift happened. Something happened in the spiritual realm that impacted the natural realm. A shift happened. And suddenly, time was split. So that everything before the cross becomes B.C., before Christ. Everything after the cross is A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, or the year of our God. Something happened. An earthquake shook the earth. Rocks split open. Graves opened up. Something powerful and dynamic happened. And suddenly there are no more spectators. Now there are only those who are participants. And the question is, is when it comes to Jesus... What will you decide? Because we all participate in some fashion. And it is the case that uh, when you think about the fact that there was this marvelous moment in time when Jesus rose from the dead, and in that moment, the people that were following him didn't realize what really was going on at first. And life was still pretty tough. It was still pretty tough. They, they didn't know what to think. They weren't sure. The day after Jesus died upon the cross, these people woke up the next morning wondering and thinking, had everything they believed, was it for naught? Everything they, they thought, everything they trusted in, everything they lived for, was it for naught? Is it possible that God still isn't finished with us yet? Or is it the case that now when you think about it, that, that uh, even though things seem disappointing and things are difficult and things are hard right now, is it possible that God still can help us when Jesus has died? 
when Jesus has come forth? Yeah, we don't know. And they're, they're just wondering what to do and how to think and how to believe. Everything they believed was wrapped up in a man who died. Will you still believe in him? When life gets tough and the words of James kick in, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. When you encounter various troubles, can you still believe in Jesus? Because you're no longer a spectator now. Now you're a participant in what you believed. Somehow, sometimes doesn't work out exactly like you thought. You wonder, okay, I thought life was going to be smooth and easy. Will you still believe in him when others reject you because of your life in the Lord? Will you still believe when something you prayed about now gets challenged and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're wondering, will God hear me? Will you still believe in him? when things aren't exactly what you thought they would be. All you've got is that you know he died for your sins and he rose from the dead for you. Jesus was crucified. His followers were faced with some incredible realities. He was gone, buried in a tomb, sealed with a large stone. Now what? He made so many promises that stirred our hopes for a better future. Is it possible to still believe in a man who is now dead? Looking back, it seems so long ago that Jesus began gathering followers. More than once he was overheard saying to someone, follow me. He didn't say, come follow me in order that he could gather a crowd that would in turn sit in the stands and become spectators to his MVP performance. In fact, he called people to follow him in order that they could, they should, and they would become participants in his victories. And how desperately we need some victories right now Families that are torn apart by strife and distrust. Homes that are feeling the deep pinch of economic disaster. Individuals who are facing difficult health issues. Rebellion growing in the hearts of children. Even an America that seems to have lost its moral way. The divide between people is increasing every day and we need some victories. Jesus came and paid the price for our sins upon the cross. And he rose again. He rose from the dead in order to bring victory to everyone who accepts his invitation to come follow him. When it comes to life and faith, there are no spectators. Only those who have made a choice to which team they will be a part of. Will you continue following the same old storyline of a lost and dying world? Or will you join with the one who died and rose again that we would be more than conquerors through him? Jesus. And a happy Easter to all of you. Well, praise the Lord. I love
is one of it is the great day of the year as it reminds us that God took care of business on your behalf and on mine. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 and the question that comes to my mind is, is okay, so when did God do that? When did God take care of business for you and I? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the timing. The timing was this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he didn't take care of business after we got our act together. He did it before we got our act together. How many got your act together now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good news that he did it before, huh? Because we needed him. We needed him to do it. So Jesus didn't come because we were worthy of his coming. He came because we needed his coming. And without him coming and paying for our sins, we were in trouble. We were on a pathway to doom. It was not good. But the great news is, is that because Jesus did that, he gives us the most marvelous testimony and the most marvelous promise. The promise says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, said Jesus, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. This is outstanding. This is awesome. This is the best promise. Jesus said that because he came and gave his life and rose from the dead, we get to live. Now, if you take the whole package of the, of the testimony of God and his love for us, it is this, that, God, that in the beginning when God created us, the Bible says that man sinned against God and sin separated us from God and put us on a pathway to doom, on a pathway to eternal death, rather than us having life with God forever. But God so loved us. He stepped in and he sent his son and Jesus died on a cross for you and I. But he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead, conquering death, giving life to you and I. Because the Bible says it's appointed and a man wants to die. But we don't have to experience the second death. We can be set free from that and have eternal life because Jesus rose from the dead. How marvelous is that? Few of you think so. This is good. This is good. Then you get so excited about God, you start reading the Bible, and you're reading, and you're reading, and you're going through it, and pretty soon you get to James, and James in the first chapter says, Count it all joy, my brethren. And I think, yep, this is going to be good. I'm right after it. Count it joy. Life with Jesus, all joy. This is good. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. Seriously? You know, uh, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its perfect work in you because when it does, you will be complete lacking nothing. Well, I need to back that bus up just a little bit and think, okay, I was really good with this whole story. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm hot after it. I'm, I'm just, I'm there, Lord. 
All of the rottenness he took upon his self, he paid for it all. He gives me life and abundant life and, and the joy of eternal life. I know that's coming. What in the world? What this, this trial stuff? You know, because I thought maybe when I give my life to Jesus, that that would mean smooth sailing. That everything was just going to be grand. No issues, no problems. And yet James reminds us that, that we're going to experience some tough times too, even as Christians. Jesus said he suffered and went through some trials and that we will go through some trials too. And, and that just kind of messes with me a little bit because I don't want that. How about you? I'm not interested in the trial side of the, of the, of the story. I'm interested in the good times part of the story. But Jesus said it's going to happen. But he rose from the dead. And what I discovered is, is, and you'll know this to be true, that anything that is wor really worth something, anything that is really valuable, it costs something. It costs something. There's a price. Jesus paid the price for your soul and mine that we could live for eternity in heaven. It was a huge price that was paid. And that, that price was totally paid by him, so you and I don't have to pay for it. But he does talk about the fact that we got, there's still some work to be done in us. The Bible talks about working out your own salvation. James says, get excited because you're going to have some trials. I'm thinking, why would I want to be happy about having trials? Because James said that going through those things and learning to hold on to Jesus and trusting God in the midst of things gone bad... It helps us to refine who we are. It helps us to grow up in Him. And we become complete in Him. And so I think, okay, okay. Have you ever done this? Have, have you ever started a workout, uh, an exercise program, maybe at a health club or um, even at your home, and then just quit? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to believe, but it happens. I have this opinion. There are only two kinds of people in the world. One are those who work out. And the other are those that eat. <laughs> See? See, I eat. And I don't eat uh, creative works of culinary art. I eat meat. I burn it, I wrap it in corn or flour and smother it in cheese, I eat meat. Now, I know, I know that, uh, that in order to really be healthy and have a happy life and a good life and a strong life and a life that, that is extended, I got to eat right and I got to exercise. If, if I really want to have a healthier, happier life, I feel better when I eat right and I exercise. But I also know something else. It's against my nature to do that. <laughs> my nature doesn't want to do that. And I discover that, that when I... When the longer I am in between the times of really exercising and eating right that it's painful to get healthy. That it hurts. You get sore 
when you start trying to get healthy again. It's not fun. But this I also know. No one can do that for me. There's some things in our lives that no one can do for us, only we can do. Nobody can eat healthy for me, only I can do that. Nobody can exercise for me. I have to do that. And so when it comes to my physical health, I can't be a spectator. I have to actually be a participant in my life. I can't sit back and watch other people do my life for me. I have to participate, get involved in my life, make decisions that are healthy for me. And I know that the things that really mean the most are going to cost me something. Probably going to be a little painful at times. But things that are really worth something are worth enduring the pain because in the end, what you get is a a feeling a lot better. You get healthy. Nobody can believe in God for me. No one can believe in God for me. My wife can't believe in God for me. She believes in the Lord. But I'm not going to be able to stand in heaven or stand at the throne of God and say, uh, and he he say, uh, okay, so talk to me. What were you thinking? What happened down there? You didn't live for me. You just rejected me. You didn't, you didn't consider me. I said, well, well, wait a minute, God. My wife did, and, and I let her go to church every Sunday. You know, she went for the two of us. She went for both of us. What, you know, what's the problem? And, and, and the problem is nobody can live for God for me. And nobody can believe what I will believe about God for me. I, I choose what I want to believe about God based upon what I know to be true. If I want to believe that God is a myth, then somebody's imagination, then so be it. If I choose to believe that uh, God is a heavy set, shirtless, bald guy with a, with a ring in his nose, my choice. If I choose to believe what the Bible does say and choose to believe by faith that God is a loving creator, who sent his son to die for me on a cross, paying for my sins so I could be brought back relationship, relationally with God, and that that same Lord rose from the dead, conquering death for me so that I have the hope and promise of eternal life. This body will not stay in the grave. I will resurrect because he resurrected I will rise from the dead because he rose from the dead because he promised I am the resurrection and the life, he said. If you believe in me, if you live and believe in me, you won't die. If I choose to believe that, it's on me. And, and whatever those choices I make, I deal with the consequences of it. You know, I choose to believe the truth about God that tells us clearly that he so loved us that Jesus came and sent, gave his life on the cross that I might live. I'm kind of wondering, if you think about the cross of Jesus and you, you think about when he was crucified, how many people were spectators? How many were there just watching? You know, it's... Uh, certainly the case that if you think about the crucifixion that the Romans did not invent crucifixion that was invented by cultures before them but what they did was they perfected it 
to make sure that the person who was being crucified experienced the highest level of suffering possible before they died. And these Roman soldiers that were there, they were spectators. Sure, they had, to, they had to oversee it, but they were watching this thing unfold. They were spectators. There were the uh, religious leaders. And these guys were standing around jeering Jesus on to his final execution. There were people from town. There were people around the city. There were in the countryside that had come. And, and uh, there, there were those lining the streets watching him carry his cross. There were those that were on the, the mountain uh, Calvary, mountainside called Calvary. And, and there they watched as he was getting nailed to that cross. There, and there, there was even a band, a small band of people that were there watching who had been followers of Jesus. They, they loved him. They believed in him. What in the world is going on? He's supposed to be establishing a kingdom. He's supposed to be setting up his throne. He's supposed to be ironing everything out. He's supposed to make everything right. He's, with his coming now, the, the, that all the oppressors are going to be thrown off and life is supposed to be smooth sailing and life is supposed to be good. And what in the world? He's hanging on the cross. You see, all of them, spectators, watching what we might describe as Jesus' MVP performance. Because what he was doing would impact this entire planet and every generation of it. Every generation of it. When Jesus died upon the cross, it was a, an incredible, incredible moment in history in which there was a shift in the spiritual realm that impacted the natural realm. And the shift was, was observable because when Jesus breathed his last, suddenly there was a giant earthquake that shook the ground. And the Bible says that rocks split open, graves even broke open. It was an incredible moment. And in that moment, it's the only moment in time in which history has been divided. History got ripped in two by a cross so that Everything before it is B.C., before Christ. Now we add letters to it like B.C.E., before the Christian era, and everything to try and fix that so that we don't have to choose to believe in him. We can believe other things. But for a long time it was just B.C., before Christ. A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, the year of our God. Time was split right there at the cross because it was the most significant event in the history of man as Jesus died to pay for our sins. And when they saw him on the cross, it was tough because they thought, man, this is going to, this, this is supposed to, this is the one who's supposed to make life better. And I said yes to him, but man, it's tough. It's, it's not as easy as I, as I thought it was going to be. I thought maybe, I thought maybe that things would just smooth out. Oh, you know, one thing is true. It is absolutely the case. You have the hope and the promise of eternal life. But don't forget James. James said, guess what? There will be some trials. There will be a testing of your faith. 
And when you give your life to Jesus and you accept Him as Lord and Savior and you know that He died to give you life, how wonderful, how marvelous that is. How incredible it is. And now you start a journey of faith. You begin to walk with Him. And sometimes your journey of faith hits roadblocks. It hits times in which it gets tested. Will you still believe in God? Do you still believe in God? This Lord who rose from the dead and died for you. And now you no longer are a spectator. You're no longer a spectator. You're a participant. And the reality of it is, it doesn't matter if you said yes to Jesus or not. You're still a participant. Because because the choice is yes for Jesus, or we end up just defaulting. Everybody defaults to the other team. There's only two teams. There's only two choices. And when you enter the game, sometimes you encounter, you know, a twisted ankle. Sometimes you get knocked in the head. Sometimes you, you bruise yourself. Somehow you get knocked around a bit. But will you still believe in him? Will you still believe in him when others reject you because you believe in him? Will you still believe in him when others just think, you know, you're just not your fun old self anymore. We used to party, party, party. You know, and uh, they're still out there destroying their lives, but you're going down the road to, to health and you're making a choice. And sometimes it's a little painful, but you keep going because do you still believe that he who died and lays in that tomb did so for you? Will you still believe in him?
September and um, it was a great great and joyous thing and we got married and decided you know, we went on our honeymoon and um, Brad was in a lot of pain and got an injury and um, has been out of work ever since it's been rough going and times have been tough but all through it all through it I've been um, my prayer would be to Please, God, help me through this day be a godly wife. How, how long, Brad, were you working, before, or how long were you married before you got injured? Um, well, the injury came on probably two and a half weeks prior to our marriage. Um, and... Um, after after we got married, I, during during the wedding service, I was severely just in pain. My wedding was absolutely kind of miserable for me. Um, due to that, we went on our honeymoon, and we had to leave early, and I had to go check into the doctors. Um, then they did the, uh, <clears throat> set me up for an MRI, and they found a herniated disc in my neck. We basically we got married and lots of curveballs thrown at us. Um, <laughs> it, it hasn't been easy, but we're making it through it now with lots of prayer. It's been challenging. Uh, I almost kind of felt less than when I'm just finally getting my life back together and restoring restoring our family. Um, it's been rough. But I've, I've stuck to reading the word. We still believe in Jesus. Jesus is the answer and the way. What? 
How do you know? Faith, I guess. There's not a no. It's just you know in your heart and in your soul that Jesus is the way. And he's, you know, going to bring us through this. And that's what's kept me going through this is knowing that there is a lesson in all this. And I might know, not know it. And I, it might not be timely for me. But it's in God's time and God's hands. And we will get through it. At the end, we are believers. I, I know there is a God because, you know, three years ago, I was physically, mentally, spiritually bankrupt. And God has completely restored our family and through. And uh, I finally let go of old reservations. And I've uh, put God first in my life. And through all the hardship and everything, it is nothing compared to what God, is, God has for us. Despite it all, we still believe in Jesus. Despite it all, we still believe in Jesus. My name is Brad McCallum, and I am not a spectator. My name is Shannon McCallum, and I am not a spectator. Trust in you, oh 
we believe the end times are here, not that there's a calendar, but the battle is becoming more and more fierce and challenges are becoming more intense. And I remember in the word, and I'm not good for chapter and verse, but Paul said, it's a race that we run daily, we train always. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, it's got enough worries of its own. And I find that to be so true. I know that Jesus watches me and has saved my job and is able to encourage and help people. I got off the phone and I giggled with Isaac and I said, had to be a Jesus thing, I would have never thought to say that. But I know that he's with me every day through every challenge. And I'm a survivor because of Jesus. I couldn't make it a day without him. Sometimes I, I wonder um, why God chose me uh, as kind of an example, maybe a horrible example, if you will. Uh, I'm all messed up. I mean, I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm not the, uh, I call it the study freak, but I, that's a bad expression. I, I don't study like I do. I kind of like everybody else or so many people especially in the church that come to the church every Sunday to get their dose of the Bible from the pastor and then they go off in their own ways and Lord knows what they do. But they're satisfied. Well, I did that one. That's I just have a day for, for God. The rest of it is for me. And uh, I don't understand what's going on except that I have a feeling in my heart that I need to do more, that I can do more, that I can reach somebody else. Being a Christian is far, far more difficult than anything that I've ever done in my life. Than anything that I've ever done in my life. Um, I remember one time I climbed a, a, a mountain. It wasn't a mountain, it was a hill, but I was only like seven. So it was a mountain to me. And I got halfway up the mountain and uh, the other kids had to call the fire department to come get me because I was stuck. Well, it's kind of like Christianity. I, I got halfway up the mountain and I got stuck. And so I relied on somebody else to come get me, to, to pull me down, uh, not realizing that what got me down was Jesus. There have been many, many times here lately, especially here lately, that in the privacy and the comfort of my own home, I've dropped down on my knees and literally cried and asked Jesus to intercede in my life. I believe he is, but once again, uh, I believe that I, I need to do more uh, to earn that. I don't think Jesus gives us salvation. I think he gives us the ability to have everlasting life. Every day I believe even more. It has the adversities only strengthen my belief and it helps me walk the walk. It doesn't take them away. It just helps me walk. My name is Joe Martini. I'm not a spectator. I'm a participant. I'm Cherie Martini, and I'm not a spectator.
Love paid the price, not guilty. Was when um, Jesus said, come, follow me. I think about that. I, I know that in terms of being a participant as opposed to a spectator, the words not guilty really don't apply, apply to spectators. That applies to people who decided to, to get involved in their own life and to get involved in what was going on. And then a, a decision had to be made. And, and every one of us, we have to make decisions about our life. And will we get involved in the life that Jesus has for us? Or will we just try and sit in the stands? But if you just sit in the stands, you, you end up as a spectator. But by default, you're on the other team. Because there's only two choices. Everybody in the room, everybody in the gymnasium, everybody on the field, everybody on the bleachers, everybody on the sidelines is in the game now. Are you on the side that said yes to Jesus or are you on the other side? When Jesus began, he, he, he started his earthly ministry and he said, come follow me. And when people began to follow him, they discover that when you're in the game, sometimes while you're in the game, things do happen. Sometimes life can be tough. Sometimes life can get difficult. Sometimes people reject you. And will you continue to believe in him? Will you keep living for God? Even when, when it seems like things aren't happening the way you wanted them to. Will you trust him? Will you believe in him? And keep going. Because he did this and said, you're not guilty in order that you could have the promise of eternal life. He rose from the dead for you and I. When uh, three days had passed, some ladies came to the tomb, and when they, they went to the tomb, the, the, their intention was to go and find a tomb that was still enclosed, sealed shut by Roman authority, expecting that they would be able to have the soldiers roll the stone away and go inside and find the body of Jesus and then finish preparing him and wrapping him for his ultimate and final complete burial. And, and when they were coming, they were feeling pretty sad. It was a tough day. The, the day from Jesus crucified to that next morning when they knew he was no longer alive and the days that followed that uh, were heart-wrenching days because they're thinking, I put all my marbles into that basket. I believed that he would make life smooth and easy. And now what? And they come depressed and broken and then they see the stone is rolled away. And their first thing is great fear because, oh my word, now what have they done? They not only crucified him, they not only killed him, but now they've taken his body. What did they do with his body? And these ladies go running to the tomb and, and they're crying and they're weeping and they're hurting and they go inside and sure enough, his body is not there. He's not there. And they are just overwhelmed with all of this. And then suddenly, an angel appeared. And, and the angel said to these ladies, said, Ladies, ladies, don't be afraid, for I know that you come looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. 
He has risen just as he said. Come and look. Come see for yourselves. He's not here. Now, go and tell his disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. That is the most marvelous thing. It's why Easter happens. It's what makes Easter, Easter. The fact that Jesus died, but death could not keep him. The grave could not hold him. And now he has risen from the dead. And he said, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus died and conquered death in order that he could prepare a place in eternity for you and I. And every person who gets in the game by saying yes to Jesus, not just defaulting to the other team, but says yes to Jesus, now you have the promise of eternal life. You also have the promise that sometimes your faith is going to get tested. But you have this, knowing that God sent His Holy Spirit to encourage us and help us. And when we go through hard things, if we hold on to Jesus, one day, one day He'll get us through. Living for Jesus is the best thing. He died, but He rose from the dead. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? And as you bow your heads and you consider your, your own life in the Lord... Consider, have you said yes to Jesus? Have you accepted him as Lord and as Savior? Have you come to a place where you know, you know, you've just got to make things right with God? Is, is Carrie saying, my sins, there was piles of them. The list is lengthy. You know, but salvation is full and free. You just say yes to Jesus. You just say yes to him. Let him forgive you of your sins. You'll stumble. You'll, you'll, you'll trip up. And sometimes you'll find that things kind of be a little hard. But as, as Joe said, sometimes you just got to get on your face before God and say, Lord, man, I just need your help. As the McCallum said, boy, you know what? It was it's, it's not always been easy, but there's no going back. We're not, we're not spectators. We're participants in what Jesus did for us. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, it doesn't make you the member of a church. It doesn't qualify you for religious entitlements. But it does make you a part of the family of God and give you the hope and the promise of eternal life. And it means that when you do pray, God will hear you because he loves you and he cares for you. And you can call upon him in time of trouble. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, I just want to encourage you, invite you this morning as an indication to God. And, 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 and just a, a message to yourself that you're serious about it. Just to lift your hand and say, I want Jesus in my life. I, I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's, if that's you today, just lift your hand right where you're at. You can just put it right back down. Amen. It doesn't matter if, if anybody sees you around you. It doesn't matter if I see you. There's only one that matters, and that's between you and God. Does God see you say, Lord, it's me. I want to know 
that heaven has a place for me. And if that's the case, you just raise your hand with others who already have. Thank you, Jesus. And for all the rest of us that have given our life to Jesus, we said yes to Jesus, and you've already discovered that James, James knew what he was talking about. That there are some trials, there are some tribulations, and sometimes it's been a little tough. It's been a little bit of a rocky road at times. But you know, you know, you know, there is no better way than to follow him who died for you and rose from the dead to give us victory over our own sin and the promise of eternal life. And you just need to raise your hand as an indication to say, Lord, I'm still here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm hanging on. And I'm going to keep living for you. I still believe in you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hand right where you're at. Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your great love. I am so glad that we are not guilty because of you. And you, Lord, you help us to live for you. And you make all the difference in the world. It's, it's sometimes a rocky road. But Lord, I'm not going back. We're not going back. We're going to keep living for you in the face of rejection or a face of, of, of whatever we experience. Because Lord, there is truly none like you. Lord, for those who lift their hands and said, Lord, I want to know for certainty there's a place in heaven for me. Forgive them, Lord, for their sins. Embrace them, Lord, in the way that you can do it and cause them to know that issue is now settled and encourage them to live with you in heart and mind and to, to never go back. And even when things get rough, and they do, that they don't, Lord, give up on you, but they keep going because you are our hope for time and eternity. No one else conquered death, only you. People say there's a lot of ways to God. No other one died and rose from the dead, only you. And you did it, Lord Jesus, for us. And we thank you for it. Help us to live for you and believe in you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah for Jesus. How many boiled eggs last night? Yep, yeah, that happens. It's Easter. It's Easter. Would you stand? And before you leave, join the worship team in a great chorus in closing. Hallelujah for Jesus. Happy Easter.
we'll see you next week, 10.30. Don't miss it. Have a great day. The king has come from heaven. Darkness trembles at his name. Victory forever is the song of the redeemed. Jesus.